it's Anthony Chadwick from the Webinar Vet here, welcoming you to another one of our podcasts, Vet Chat. And I'm very pleased today to have Alistair King on the line with me. Alistair is a Glasgow graduate uh, from the vet school there. He's the Director of International Veterinary Health at MSD Animal Health. And we first uh, got to know each other when we did a symposium two years ago at our international virtual conference on rabies, which was really all about the one health approach that we had to take when tackling that terrible disease. And so I'm really pleased that uh, MSD Animal Health have, have asked us to run a symposium on the One Health approach to vector-borne diseases, which of course is becoming more and more a problem as these, the ticks become more widespread across the world. We've certainly seen that in the UK as well. And I thought it'd be a really good opportunity, Alistair, to, to talk a little bit about the programme. But first of all, tell me a little bit about yourself, how you find yourself over the pond as a Brit living in America. So tell me a little bit about your journey. That's a whole podcast in itself. Thank you very much, Anthony. Thanks for having me on as well. As you said, I qualified from Glasgow as a veterinary surgeon in 1990. I worked for around about 12 years in practice. I was very lucky to work in a number of different practices and do a lot of different work, including working in zoos, working with raptors. I, I have a particular interest in avian work. So I had a great time as a vet for a number of reasons. I decided it was time to change my career, uh, not least back problems, as I'm sure many vets will recognize. So I ended up joining, moving into the pharmaceutical industry initially as a veterinary advisor. When we had in the UK, when blue tongue appeared as a disease in cattle and sheep, I was very involved with working with the government on how we would control that disease and stop the spread in the UK and indeed across Europe. And I got very interested in this bigger picture of One Health and looking at global disease control. So I ended up moving into our department, our team that were working with governments on large scale disease control, diseases such as rabies, foot and mouth disease, blue tongue, which we'd already done, avian influenza. We look at tuberculosis. There's all of these diseases that have an impact on both human and animal lives, either because they're zoonotic or because they're affecting people's income and livelihood. Foot and mouth disease is probably the biggest thing that keeps Africa stuck in the poverty trap. Started working with them, took over the department, and our head office is in Madison, New Jersey. So I moved over to New Jersey after four years of living in the Netherlands because we were that's where we were doing some of the work. I moved over to New Jersey five years ago now. Fantastic. And I think it's it's such an interesting area. We've obviously uh, approached it on several occasions at Webinar Vet. And I think it's it speaks very much about this holistic approach of bringing in the whole team. Because if you just treat animal disease, but forget about the people, or vice versa, you don't solve the big problems, do you? Exactly. When I look through history of disease control, I think we've made as many mistakes as successes normally because we just focus on one individual little bit. And it's very difficult to get change when you only focus on one bit. But when you do look at this bigger picture of diseases that affect 
across boundaries, across, they don't worry about governments and where the countries are and they travel across. When we want to control those, we need to look at that bigger impact of how are humans interacting with animals, interacting with the environment, and how is the health of those all working with each other and also the welfare. So I take a one health, one welfare approach to everything we do. Try to look at where we can where we're going to have impacts if we make one change what are we going to do elsewhere and understanding all of that and putting that together should bring us to a much more sustainable future of course msd animal health is part of that big family which is called merck which of course has the human and the medical so you're in a really good position to be able to see both sides of the story which i think is what obviously we're going to be discussing in the symposium in March as well. Exactly. I've been really lucky. That's one of the reasons I moved to the US was I could spend more time going talking with my human health colleagues in Merck about the diseases and looking at how we do some of these disease controls. And indeed, that's helped us with how we can bring solutions to to governments, to intergovernmental organizations and bring real answers for how do we how do we learn from each other so we can implement really effective programs? And I think in veterinary medicine, when veterinary medicine doesn't have nearly as much money in it as human medicine does just across the board, we need to be clever at how we leverage every, every opportunity we can. And learning from our human health colleagues is really important mm. before that. I think as a vet speaking now, it's also important that sometimes the human you know the doctors can kind of see the vets as the little cousin or the little brother and not feel that they can learn so you can see with the pandemic that disease control is something that vets do very well and actually we we can offer quite a lot in that area as well can't we yes i think that's changed a lot in the in the five to ten years that i've been working in this field yeah. when i first started doing it and especially when we thought about antimicrobial resistance, there was very much a us versus them approach to things. There was, who can we blame for this problem rather than how yeah. can we work together? Exactly. I've been really pleased when I go, I go to conferences at the World Organization for Animal Health, also for the WHO, the World Health Organization, uh, the Food and Agricultural Organization. Organization. I'm, I'm at a lot of those meetings, and we're now coming together, everyone together, and how can we actually work in a way that makes sense, where we can understand the other side, what's going on. We don't blame. We work out how to actually bring it, bring yeah. solutions, as I mentioned before. It's one of my words that I really like. It's collaboration, isn't it? It's always better than competition. Yes. And uh, I think I'm very lucky in this field. That's what we yeah. see an awful lot of. Webinar Vet is known for having really good speakers. It's one of the things when we do our surveys every year, they say, you know, thank you, the quality is so good. And I think it's very fair to say that MSD Animal Health have, have brought together, a can I call it a star-studded cast for the symposium? There's some very, very uh, erudite speakers, aren't there, Alistair, at the, at the symposium in March? I am privileged to be able to moderate this group of people, uh, and I am just a moderator. I'm not doing anything other than trying to bring it all together. We have the whole whole program is 
split into three parts. The first section is really going to be looking at that broad One Health picture and how yeah. we bring that together. Then we're going to have some a panel talking about vector-borne diseases specifically. And then we're going to end with a look at how people, animal owners are actually responding in the real world to these parasite problems that are increasing that we're seeing more of. That first section where we talk about One Health as a whole will be Dr. Julie Gerberding, who is an executive vice president for Merck. Um, she was the executive vice president for population health and sustainability. And Julie used to work for the Center of Disease Control in the US, has an incredible range of experience in this area. She's going to be talking with Dr. Jane Sykes. Dr. Sykes is the professor of small animal internal medicine at School of Veterinary Medicine, University of California, Davis. Again, well-known, well-respected, brings an incredible amount of information. We had a couple of weeks ago, we had a just a joint meeting where we all got together to just get to know each other. And I was just able to sit back and listen to, to Julie and Jane chatting away mm -hmm. and appreciating what they knew and sharing that information and how excited they both were to be able to talk together that was wonderful i'm really looking forward to that section and it's great to just you know we as vets and nurses who will come along to the symposium to be able to take that on board as well and i think julie not only did she work for the cdc i think she was actually the former head of the cdc as well so she yeah. was quite high up wasn't she she was, yes. The panel session, yes. The panel session where we look at vector-borne diseases and how they approach, how they're key one health issue. We've got Dr. Peter Irwin, who's the former dean at Murdoch University Veterinary School. We've got Dr. Susan Little, who is the Regents Professor and Krull Ewing Chair in Veterinary Parasitology at the College of Veterinary Medicine, Oklahoma State University. We've got Professor Guadalupe Miro, who is a professor of parasitology and parasitic diseases at the Universidad Complutense of Madrid. Mm. Then we've got Dr. Paul Overgaard, who is at Utrecht University. He's a specialist in veterinary microbiology and parasitology and professor of animal health. And we've got Professor Richard Wall, who is a professor of zoology at the University of Bristol veterinary school so we've got people from different parts of the world we've got people in different parts of experience that's going to be really exciting hearing them talking together and talking about their research in vector-borne diseases and how they're seeing the changes that are occurring with that Richard actually spoke um, at the webinar that you know through the kind of sponsorship of MSD about fleas and ticks in the UK and how that situation has changed over the last few years and again we see with the one health where the environment comes in and the temperature raise is making some of these ticks their lives a lot easier to cope in even northern reaches of, of the uk uh, where i'm based in the I, I said i got involved in this with the disease called blue tongue that is a vector-borne disease it was carried by midges which yeah. up until that outbreak weren't recognized as a risk in northern Europe and suddenly changes in temperature environment meant these midges were able to get into an area where we didn't expect and suddenly the virus was able to multiply and we had this outbreak 
similarly, you can look at Lyme disease. If you mm. tick a tick-borne disease in the US, it has the number of cases has doubled in the last 20 or so years, which is quite shocking. And not only that, I moved out of practice, as I say, I was in it for 10 years, 12 years. So I stopped being a practice practitioning vet in the UK in around 2001. I didn't have to worry about Lyme disease. It's something I've been told at college about, but uh, that wasn't a disease that I needed to yeah. think about. But now you're talking about this relatively short period of time. Suddenly this is a major disease in the UK. It is a serious concern, both for animals and for humans, and it's really causing problems. So these changes that are happening, especially with vector-borne diseases, are having a real impact on animal and human lives. It's a major, major thing. And it's interesting, Lyme's disease can have really disastrous consequences for humans, can't it? You know, you hear of some people who, who really have a bad term with Lyme's disease, and it can be, you know, even fatal in rare cases as well. Yes, yeah, certainly now I'm in the US, this is my first real time of having to think about Lyme's disease. I say when I was a vet in practice in the UK, didn't have to think about it. I then moved to the Netherlands, wasn't really seeing it over there. And suddenly I moved over here and I'm out walking my dog and we're picking up sticks, we're getting bitten. And then I hear about from neighbors how their children have had problems. And it's very difficult to find someone who hasn't experienced some sort of problem with Lyme's disease because of the ticks that are around. The final session, you're going to bring in, you know, some of the client perspectives as well with Bob Laven. Tell us a little bit about maybe Bob's experience and what we can expect from that session. Because, of course, a lot of our listeners are small animal vets. And, of course, this is where, you know, the disease is also coming in and very prevalent. But some fantastic products now that can help us in that fight, aren't there? So Bob Laven, Dr. Robert Laven is the Director of Outcome Research for what I think is a really interesting department that we have in the company, which is the Center for Observational and Real World Evidence. We set that up about 10 years ago, might not have been quite that long. And it was a real focus on, let's see what is happening in the world, real time with our with our products, with diseases, how we're actually making impacts. What is the real difference that it makes when you go in and you treat or you do this? How do you manage these diseases? Taking it away from a purely science, very scientific research side to a much more practical side. And Bob has been heading that up for a long time. I've worked with him a lot on that. And We've had some really good work where we've looked at rabies and how we can impact, what's the impact of rabies control, what's the real benefits of that, how we cut down on disease. But he's also been looking at this vector-borne side and looking at how animal owners, how they're treating vector control in their, their pets and what are the hurdles, what are the stimulants that can get people to actually treat their animals at the right time and do what they need to. And I know how difficult that can be with mine. I'm fairly mm -hmm. good with my dog. My cat, I have to admit, I've not been as good. And yeah. remembering to do them on time and trying to get have everything that you need 
compliance is a huge issue in human and animal medicine isn't it you know if everybody took their tablets and potions and whatever then there'd be less problems with disease uh, recurrence and so on and um, this sounds a fantastic uh, symposium i'm really looking forward to to be um, a spectator at it and to to attend who do you think you know should attend a meeting like this who's this appropriate for for vets and nurses um or or what what's the audience alistair can i say everyone i think this I is think important, important for everyone well i think it's interesting because certainly in my practice which you know i'm i'm probably about 10 years out of the practice but the nurses were were the important people who talked about uh, parasite control often more yeah. so than the vets um you know and it is such a fascinating area isn't it so vets and nurses very much welcome to to attend i i think that just as a general knowledge area even for the general public yeah. this is a good area to be and i know my my one health podcast emergence a number of general public listen to that because it opens a world up that they're not not exposed yeah. to and with all the talk about covid everyone's become much more aware of that so it's it's good for people to be aware and we mentioned lyme's disease suddenly you have to think about that and if you're walking your dog you have to be aware so i think there are benefits mm -hmm. for anyone to listen to this but definitely vets and vet nurses as you say the vet nurse vet nurses are the ones who spend a lot more time typically with pet owners and talking about those issues than the vet who you come in you treat the animal and it's out of the consulting room they spend time chatting with the the vet nurses and the receptionists as well i always think receptionists are very yeah. important for that so they build up the relationships and able to talk about some of that and understand some of the challenges i can remember where you'd send you know someone would come in and you treat the animal or you you diagnose something and you send them out with oh you can give it this you can give it that and it's only when they're out talking to the vet nurse or the receptionist that they'll start going, oh, I've got real problems giving tablets to my dog or I can't do this. So the vet nurses would then come in and go, well, can we, how are we going to help this person? Because they mm. want to tell the vet. So they tell the vet nurse. So I think that's really important that we do involve those. What, one of the things we used to do as well is the vet nurse to give the medication and then you knew it was, had gone in the right place. You know, it wasn't yeah. being uh, incorrectly uh, administered or not at all administered. So no, listen, Alistair, I'm so pleased to speak to you. And it, this is an area that we're very passionate about, One Health, you know, the environment as well. And I think it's um, it's great the work that MSC Animal Health and others are doing in this area of bringing the human, animal and the environment together. I was at COP26 and I think it will be the big businesses more so than governments that will sort some of these problems out because governments act slow they're they're often dependent on um you know what the what the populace is thinking as well whereas uh, companies can have that longer view and see the areas that they see as being really important and a purpose-centered organization like msd animal health it's great to see you doing work in this area that can benefit animals but also people as well. So I really appreciate it. And I'm really looking forward to us hosting it. And, and uh, I'm sure we're going to have a lot of people listening in as well. Thanks, Anthony. I'm going to say governments are much better now than they used to be as well. I, yeah. 
I, I, I'm really positive about One Health and One Welfare because I've seen how everything has changed mm. and how we are working together. And instead of people being worried about working together and what might be yeah. seen, we're now really getting to that point where we're bringing in public part, public private partnerships, yeah. and settling down to, okay, what do we do? What do we each bring to this? How do we understand this? Uh, I'm part of uh, something, another rabies thing. Sorry to keep mentioning rabies, but it's important. Yes. Uh, we, we've got the International Rabies Task Force and part of what we're doing, we're working with the CDC and with Mission Rabies and us, and each of us are bringing a different part to then going forward to governments and sitting and helping <laughs> governments actually work on disease control. Mm. And that's that collaboration. You mentioned collaboration as a word earlier. Yeah, that yeah. is so important and it's really improved. So I think we're in a very positive world for that future. And something like this conference then is bringing that knowledge to help people recognize and see diseases that they wouldn't necessarily have had to worry about 10 years or so ago. Mm. Maybe as a final thought, you know, the, the pandemic has been a terrible thing, but perhaps in five, 10 years, we'll begin to see what blessings it brought. And some of that has been this collaboration of, you know, a vaccine created in 12 months. Um, if, as you say, it's the marvelous things that can be do can be done when people work together. So really pleased that we're, we're gonna be hosting this for you and really looking forward to, to taking the armchair view rather than the, the chair view and being able to uh, listen and enjoy. Thank you very much, Anthony. Thanks, Alistair, take care, bye-bye. And yes, we, we will have the link at the bottom for those of you listening so that you can register as well. And uh, looking forward to seeing many of you at the symposium in early March. Take care, bye-bye.